This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. And of course, in some parts of the country, we're still experiencing winter rain in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and even Phoenix. And even here where I am in Southern California, we have lots and lots of rain and wind today, pretty big storm. And there was snow in Reno, Nevada. So winter is still happening. I see on the East Coast, in the Midwest and the East, there's still rain and snow. I mean, it, the winter's hanging on. But it will change, just like the stock market. Things change. It, it just happens all the time. We're into week 12 of 2023, and nothing stands still. So you're going to constantly deal with changes. And, of course, you see what happens every day in the market. And, you know, the fundamentals of what's going on in the economic system have changed than they were a year or two ago. That, and they were same, those same fundamentals were existing for long years, many years, 10, 15 years. And that's where interest rates were falling and now interest rates are rising. But with all the bank crisis, are we going to, the Fed's meeting now, are the Fed, what's the Fed going to do? What is the Fed going to do? I'm Steve Pease, and I'm here today on this radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio decisions and try to figure out what direction, what direction the Fed's really going to take and what direction the economy is going to take and what direction will the stock market take. I mean, this is all very difficult things to figure out. And the best you can do is take the information that you have and try to analyze it and make your best predictions. And if you can't do that, that's okay. You don't have to. What you can do is just be a buy and holder of good, solid companies, and you'll be fine. Okay? And for those of, who you, those of you who are new to Talk and haven't listened to the show, I'm always, Justin and I are always very careful about giving you straight, unbiased answers to any of your questions. We have no hidden agendas where I'm not trying to push anything on you. That never happens. And I can think, I think we can say with all, you know, we all want to learn things about the market. I want to continually learn. And it's continually changing. And, you know, some things stay the same, but some things don't. And you got to really understand, the more years you watch the market and figure out what's going on, the more you understand that it's very, very difficult to predict. What you can do over long periods of time and just know that the market goes up. It always has over long periods of time. Now, there also are periods of time where it doesn't, and it could be years where it doesn't. But generally speaking, the market goes up if you're patient enough. So I'm going to give you straight information all the time. You can rely on that. Now, it doesn't mean I'm always right. It doesn't mean that. But it means that I'm going to give you the honest, uh, my honest opinion and the facts that I have in front of me, and I'll share them with you. We're here to learn, and it's going to be interesting. I, I think learning is interesting. Okay. 
So how how to do this? Uh, we have a lesson here, and we leave a le- we lead a lesson every day. Okay, and that will lead you to successful investing. And of course, I encourage you to participate with your finance and investment questions. Remember, this is a call-in show. You can ask anything financial you want to. Or, you know, the line is always open, 888-99-CHART. That phone line is always open for you to call, 888-992-4278. We're live right now, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. But when we're not live and you want it, you have a question, you still can call that number and leave the question. We'll answer it. So try to do that. My focus point concerns a story understanding the UBS takeover Credit Suisse and the impact on bondholders. It's different this time for the bondholders on a, in a in a bankruptcy takeover situation so it and, and that difference could be meaningful especially for european bonds over a period of a year next few years next decade so we're going to just talk about that i think it's interesting housing existing home sales were out today for february we're going to discuss that federal reserve is meeting and they're in a tough position what do they do? Do they raise, leave, raise the rates, uh, leave them flat? Do they decrease the rates? Before there's bank crisis, everybody knew they were going to raise the rates. They said they were going to. That kind of might not happen. And let's talk about Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and what she, what she said about smaller banks. I think that's interesting. The Supreme Court is hearing a case on cryptocurrencies. Have you seen that? It's about the uh, about the uh, agreements that, uh, when you have a platform arbitration agreements that people sign. Hmm. What, what what kind of impact will that have? And at the if we get to it, four states that that don't tax pensions, four hundred one ks or IRAs, no tax. So, do you know what the four states are? <laughs> those are things we're going to do if time permits. We're going to discuss every one of those. I will also dig into the you know, the main talking point about the UPS and Credit Suisse. But let's go ahead and go right to a voicemail. Do that now. Good afternoon, Steve or Justin. This is Jeffrey from Alabama, and I'm a longtime listener. Enjoy the program got a question for you on Franklin International Core Dividend Tilt Index ETF, symbol DIVI. I was going to get your analysis and opinion on this for a 3% position uh, giving international exposure. Appreciate it. Be listening on the podcast. Okay. Franklin International Core Dividend uh, ETF seeks to perform seeks to the to to follow the performance of the Morningstar development developed market X North America dividend enhanced select index small small caps mouthful ETF that seeks the performance of the Morningstar developed markets X North America dividend enhanced select index small cap. So, yeah, that will give you the exposure that you want outside the United States, and it'll give you exposure generally to probably healthier small-cap stocks because they're because of a dividend. 
When something when a company pays a dividend, that means they're confident that they can pay the dividend and not require that they keep that money for operations or growth. They don't need it for that. Generally speaking, as long as there's good management anyways. So so this will give you the exposure you want, and I have no problem with it. I'd like to look at the top maybe 10 holdings that's in, in this uh, ETF and see what they look like. That's probably what I would do. It's, you know, a, it's a very, very small cap ETF. I mean, only $22 million, so it, it worries me a little bit because it is so small. Okay, um, they and it's small cap, meaning it could be pretty volatile. So you got to be really aware of that. Okay, uh, we got a special event coming up on tomorrow, Wednesday, March twenty second at two p.m. that I think you should know about. The KPP Financial Company, our firm, Justin Myers' firm, will present a new wealth webinar: Value Investing Positions, Value Investing. Positioning your portfolio on profitability, relative price, and dividend payments. The Wealth Webinar is free, they always are, and it will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios, giving real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow our clients well. The webinar will anchor will be anchored by Judge and Klein and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager Luke Guerrero. Okay, is happening tomorrow, Wednesday, March 22nd, from 2 to 3 Pacific time, a new KPP Wealth webinar. It's free, but you got to register, and you can do it now at investtalk.com. And please tell your friends and family members, we'd appreciate that. Thank you, and I hope to be the 50 millionth download of your incredible show. It is official. As of February 21st, an exciting new Invest Talk milestone was achieved. The Invest Talk podcast exceeded 50 million downloads. How do you guys determine a value stock? 50 million. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. Hey guys, it's Josh from South Carolina. I'm a longtime listener. 24 7, rain or shine, on tough market days or during brighter moments. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to answer your questions. Our now preferred share is kind of a hybrid asset. It's part of the capital structure. You want to buy this what's on sale, and when it gets on sale, it's about $16 a share. $50 million. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future. But getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Steve Peasley is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Brandon from Oklahoma, and I had a question for y'all. I've been seeing a lot of talks about, you know, obviously inflation's real high and people thinking it's going to keep running high. My goal for retirement is, you know, to have I'll just say like at least a million dollars. And then I hear replies about that saying, well, a million dollars in 30, 40 years isn't going to be nearly enough due to, you know, 7% a year inflation. And, you know, they throw numbers out. I was just kind of wanting to get y'all's, you know, take on, you know, 
a million dollars for retirement, say 30 years from now, because to me that would, you know, at a 4% withdrawal rate plus social security and pension, I'd be bringing in more money than me and my wife working right now. So, uh, yeah, I was just kind of curious in his take on, you know, kind of, I guess, inflation of the dollar and uh, what you need in retirement, you know, is what you have today going to be enough then kind of thing. Thank you very much. I look forward to hearing your answer. Of course, that's a difficult question. million dollars is if you can achieve it, that's great. I'll congratulate you on that. Uh, of course, you know, 20, 30 years from now, that million dollars won't have the buying power it has now. So, yeah, I would like you to have more, and I think you can achieve more. I, uh, you know, I think your, your ability to grow money is probably too low. You should be able to grow your money. You should be able to grow your money, I don't know, 7 to 10% a year over long periods of time. And if you grew it at 10%, that means every seven years or so, it would double. Okay? Double in value every 10 years if it was 7% growth. So these, I'm, I'm giving you approximates, okay? So don't think you can't achieve more than a million dollars. If you retire today and a million dollars, can you survive on that? Yeah, depending on what part of the country you want to live in. You want to live in Southern California, it's not going to happen. San Francisco Bay Area, not going to happen. Northeast, not going to happen. But maybe in the South, maybe in the Midwest, maybe Tennessee, you know, those kind of states, yeah, you probably could live off that, you know, if you're, you know, plus Social Security. Social Security will be there. Don't think it's not. It will. So you can do it, but be, you're going to get more in Social Security than you think in 30 years from now. It will, it will go up. It will grow. Okay. When people take time out to leave an Investop podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So the Puma 51, I had bought the last dip in SWBI and was wondering if I should invest a little more or hold. I plan on holding this until sometime in 2024. Why do you have a date on it, I wonder? 2024, what? What, what what makes it in your head that that's the day that you're going to be out? Now, this is Smith & Wesson Brands, manufactures firearms, including revolvers, pistols, rifles, and firearm-related products and accessories. Uh, they have always made money. It's not consistently uh, growth. They don't. They don't have growth. Very little growth, matter of fact. But they have spurts of times when they have great fundamentals 2021 2022 they made four four fifty four twenty five per share four dollars and fifty four cents in 2021 four dollars twenty five cents in 2022 this year they're only they're only going to make 91 cents and they're only scheduled to make 91 cents next year but the stock is 11 dollar stock it's a very inexpensive stock and always has been it will never be expensive in my opinion Return on equity is very good. Huge cash flow. The fundamentals are very sound on the company. But you really buy it for a 3.6% dividend. That they That is consistent. They'll always pay it. And it will go up back to the mid to high 20s of right now $11. Eventually, it will go up there. Just got to be very patient, I think. That's SWBI, Smith & Wesson. We're going to a quick break. My phone lines are open. Call InvestTalk, 888 99 chart.
Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99 Chart. 888 992 4278. Love to talk to you. So, my focus point is the story understanding the UBS takeover of Credit Suisse and the impact on bondholders. So, UBS t- took over Credit Suisse with the help of the Swiss authorities. They took over the company. Now, Credit Suisse already had financial problems, had for a number of years. They were having issues they were working on. But, of course, this current run on the banks really put a dent in their ability to move forward. So, they were, you know, the Swiss authorities took it, basically forced them to sell for $3 billion to UBS. But also, the most interesting part about this takeover is the low-ranking bonds that the Swiss authorities said they had to write down to zero their value, while at the same time, the shareholders actually got some money for their holdings, the stock that they hold. Now, that's different. Usually, it's the shareholders that get zip, and the bondholders get whatever's left. Now, these were bad, you know, these are low-quality low bonds, but we're talking, you know, not just a handful. We're talking billions. And the bank authorities made them write them down to zero, taking nothing. That has not happened before. That's not how it usually works. You know, uh, if a bank goes under, there are different tiers of levels of uh, holder, holding companies, or whoever holds their debt and holds their their uh, assets get certain amount of money in a very, very predictable way. And bondholders are much higher than stockholders on the, the, uh, the, the I don't know what you would call it, but the, the, what they get from a bankruptcy. And that didn't happen. Now, what's the big deal? It's good for the stockholders. That's great for them. But what if uh, you're a bank in Switzerland or anywhere else in the world and now you want to issue, you're perfectly fine and healthy and you want to issue bonds or, you know, uh, take bonds or buy bonds and you know, the quality, if it's low, this is telling you that maybe that's, that it's going to, inc- what it will do is increase costs. For the bondholders, the bonds are just going to be more expensive because the risk has just increased dramatically from what it was before. Your risks are going up. So poorly rated bonds, and will that affect other rated bonds, higher rated bonds? I think it will. I think long term, this is going to push interest rates up for anybody issuing bonds. And, you know, is that bad? Uh, not necessarily, but it's going to be impactful on what these banks do. You know, just sitting back and, you know, I look at this and I looked at, you know, Silicon SVB Financial Group and Signature Bank and Silvergate Bank. And you look at these banks, how they went under, and you say, is, is running a bank so difficult that, you know, you can't manage this? Now, what's really I find interesting, one of those banks, and I forget when the one of a Silvergate or SVB, the bigger one, 18th largest bank. 
I looked at the board of directors. They had like, I don't know, 12, 15, 18 board of directors. Not one of them had banking experience. What? What? Not one of them were bankers. You have a board of directors on a bank, a big, huge bank, and you, your board of directors don't have any banking background? What? No, you, you can't. You kind of have people know what they're doing to help you run the company. That's what the board of directors are for. Obviously, that's not what this board of directors is for, was it? This board of directors is for something else, for political reasons, for, uh, I don't know, social reasons. It's certainly what for to keep the bank healthy. Maybe we need to look at the board of directors of all these banks we invest in to see you know, what, their, what their background is to make sure that they, we know and we're comfortable that they know what they're doing. It's interesting. Let's keep moving and go to another listen line question, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin or Steve. I was calling in regards to ticker symbol RIO Rio Tinto. I was wondering what you guys thought about entering Rio Tinto or exiting. I'm sorry. I actually own a hundred shares of it and was wondering, um, should I buy more? So just wanted to know what you guys thought about it. Thank you. And, uh, keep up the good work. Okay. This is a bank out of, uh, United Kingdom, Rio Tinto, uh, not a bank. This is a company out of uh, United Kingdom, UK-based company with global interest in mining metals and in industrial and and industrial minerals. It's a hundred six billion dollar company. It's very large. You don't buy this for the growth. You buy it for the dividend. It pays a ten percent dividend. Uh, they made thirteen dollars and twenty six cents. Their best year by far in two thousand twenty one. Two thousand twenty two. They made seven dollars and sixty two cents. Uh, this year they're going to make seven ten. Next year six nineteen, and it's a sixty five dollar company. So it's like a ten PE, which means it's not cheap. Cheap would be a little under fifty dollars, and that's where I would buy it. Uh, if I held it, if I owned it, I would know I bought it for the dividend. And I just hold it for the dividend. That's what I would do. So let's go to the trivia question for today. According to an analysis by the New York Federal Reserve, there are six college degrees that left graduates graduates earning a median salary of less than $40,000 within about five years of graduation. What a waste of a college degree, the expense of it, right? So let's go to the break. Here's my trivia question. What was the worst paying job for a college degree holder five years, five years after graduation? I'll give the answer right after the break. 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I gave a uh, trivia question. What was the worst paying jobs for college degree holders five years after graduation? So this is a study by the New York Federal Reserve. They analyzed data, the medium salaries of graduates in 2021. The data only indicates the salaries of full-time workers with a bachelor's degree and excludes those currently enrolled in school. So you have a bachelor's degree. Two types of salaries were detailed in the analysis. Early career, which is ages 22 and 27-year-old people, and mid-career, 35 to 45-year-old people. So the New York Federal Reserve found that the six lowest-paying majors fell under social science and liberal arts. Do not send your kids to college to get a social science or liberal arts degree. They're worthless. Worthless. They don't pay enough to pay back the loans that you're getting for the college degree. What are the best ones? What are the highest paying majors? They're in science, technology, engineering, and math. So if your kids are going for those, fine. But if they're going in there and just taking social science, liberal arts, it's a waste of your money. A waste of their money, and most people are going hugely into debt. I'm very unhappy with colleges in the system these days. And there's way too much information to share in the time I have here. So I'll share a limited set of interesting data points, okay? So the medium, okay, for performing arts, medium early salary, 39000 a year. How much is your loan? Trying to live on 39000 People who majored in performing arts were earning a medium wage of 62000 as a mid-career worker. 62000 You're 35 to 45 years old and you're only still making 62000 Have you been able to pay off your degree? Leisure and hospitality, 38000 60000 after you're in your 30s and 40, early 40s. Psychology, 37000 Psychology graduates can expect to earn 65000 in mid-career. Not great. These are not great. Okay, social services, 37000 Family and consumer sciences, 37000 uh, theology and religion, 36000 So if you don't care about the money uh, and you're not, you've got to you know, pay back loans and you didn't take out loans, okay, but you're not going to make very much money in these kind of degrees. It's just not worth it. Theology and religion was the worst paying major for five years after graduation. 
And maybe you don't care, but if you're taking out loans, you got to pay back the loan. Notably, chemical engineers took the top spot, chemical engineers, when it came to high salaries, high wages. 75000 five years after graduation. That's the median. Median salary of 75000 So if you have a family member in college, make sure they choose their career path wisely. Why? Think about it. Why? Anyways, that was our trivia question. Housing uh, existing home sales came out for February today. And the market, I don't know if I told you, it was up 316 for the Dow, 51 for the uh, 51 for the S&P 500, 184 for the NASDAQ. So a decent day today on top of a decent day yesterday, probably because everybody's calming down about the banking crisis. But we did have the housing home sales report for February, and it jumped 14.5%. 4.58 million uh, was the largest number. 4.58 annualized, 4.58 million annualized sales. That was an increase. That's a first increase, the largest increase since July 2020, and that ended a 12-month decline. 12-month decline every month. So it jumped. Prices fell a little bit though. But why did it jump? Because interest rates came down a little bit in February. People getting in before they feel felt that the interest rates were going to go back up again. Okay, so that's what happened there. So let's take a listen line question that came in earlier. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey Justin and Steve, this is Masan calling from Tel Aviv, Israel. Big fan of the show. I'm looking for a small cap value ETF. Currently debating between the Vanguard VBR and the Avantis U.S. Small Cap Value. AVUV. I like that the Avantis one is leaning more towards energy and has a bit less exposure to the tech and healthcare sectors. On the other hand, Vanguard is really trusted and uh, it's hard to compete with their expense ratio. Let me know your thoughts if you have a better one or I should be looking for something else in your opinion. I'll listen to the answer on your show. Thank you very much for all you do. Okay, I, I, you know, just just off the top of my head, I would like Vanguard better because usually there are much cheaper expense ratios with Vanguard than with uh, other ETFs. Um, so that would be my first impression. Go with a Vanguard uh, ETF, and I, Vanguard is a very reliable, very big, very uh, stable uh, mutual fund family. So I kind of like them when it comes to ETFs and the costs. Uh, but I do think you're, you have a good point about, you know, more exposure to energy and less exposure to technology. Um, but I still probably would go with the Vanguard uh, VBR, Vanguard Small Cap. Because ETF seeking performance corresponding to the CRSP Small Cap Value Index. And you know, I do like value. So um, that's where I would probably lean toward, okay? You probably noticed that Justin and I are very happy about having reached 50 million podcast downloads, right? I mean, we're pretty happy and we'd say so and we appreciate it. And to celebrate, we have been giving away uh, free, 50 free subscriptions to the KPP Premium Newsletter. This is our 50 for 50 million 
It's a thank you, okay? Thank you for everybody who's done this for us. So if you'd like a chance to win a free newsletter subscription, just follow Invest Talk on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Then be sure to like and tag three friends on our 50 to 50 million post. It is that easy. We will be picking 10 winners each week, this week and next week. So follow Invest Talk and also tell your friends. The prize, if if you win, is one year's free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. It comes out every week. It brings you financial news and commentary from me and Justin. And, you know, we, we think it's worth it. The KPP Premium Newsletter would normally cost about $199 per year. But you might get it for free. Again, just follow Invest Talk on social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Then be sure to like and tag three friends on our 50 for 50 million post. Okay, we just played a question from Israel. Now let's take a voice bank question that came in from Germany on 888-99-CHART. Hello, Stephen, Justin, and a warm welcome to Luke as well. This is Paolo from Germany. I have to take out some capital out of my stock portfolio because I'm moving to the U.S. later this year. In the current situation, normally I would actually do the opposite, considering value stocks in the energy sector, for example, have gotten so much cheaper. But long story short, I was thinking of um, selling my Microsoft shares. My assumption is that the stock price is over benefiting from the whole ChatGBT theme and once earnings results come in for Q1, the share price will come down again. So the question is basically, should I hold on to the shares for a bit longer than that, like till the second half of the year, or is right now a good time to sell? Would love to hear the answer on the podcast, and uh, I appreciate your work. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's a tough question because you're asking me to predict what the future is going to be. Uh, and I, I have said that I think the market and our economy, the market and our kind of stock market will be better at the end of the year, be healthier by the end of the year. Now, that's my, you know, that's my prediction. And, of course, predictions can always be wrong. Microsoft uh, is a very strong company. I like what they do. Uh, they, they're going to make $9.31 this year and $10.78 next year. It's a $273 stock, so it's not cheap. The five-year range for their PE is 23 to 41, and right now it's at 30. Okay, so it's going to be 27 going forward. So it's not it, – going forward, it's pretty good price. It's not cheap, but it's on the value end of the scale – Return equity is huge at 45%. They have a huge cash flow, $11.24. It's a very well-run company. Management owns 1%. Mutual funds have been buyers for the last year. So there's a lot of fundamentally sound reasons to own Microsoft. But, of course, the stock has done very well over recent years, and I can see why you might want to take some profits um, off of Microsoft, and I wouldn't argue against that. Maybe you can sell just some of it. Don't maybe not all of it, and hold on to the rest. Um, I, I you know I don't know what else you own, so I can't like advise you. Well, maybe sell something else because I don't know what else you own. 
You know, and it depends. Is it a taxable account that you have this in or non-taxable? There's all these little questions that would be nice to know to make sure that we're, you're making the right decision with the right company. But I don't have a problem with Microsoft cutting back on Microsoft. Okay, let me squeeze in another iTunes review question, by the way. So you can rate and review Invest Talk on iTunes and post your question anytime. We'll get to it quickly, promise. So this is uh, Ubervester. What do you think about PAC with recent trends of near of nearshoring this airport operator may be benefiting? Nearshoring. PAC. Okay, this is GPO Aero Papadou. Yeah, yeah, I can't speak. I don't speak that language. It's out of, uh, let's see, do they tell me what country it's out of? Real estate. Blah, blah, blah. It's a Mexican company that operates, maintains, and develops airports in the Pacific and Central regions. It's a $9.3 billion company. They make money. They have always made money. They've been growing their money very steadily for over the years. Pays a 3.7% dividend. Uh, they're going to make $11.71 next year after making $10.49 this year. It's a $177 stock. So it's around what? I don't know, 17, 18 PE. Return equity is 48%, which is very good. Management owns 1%. Mutual funds are buyers uh, over the last year. Um, they have a lot of debt. I'd have to look into that debt. Why so much debt? They are growing sales very fast. Most recent quarter was up 62%. Quarter before that was 31, before that 34, before that was 70. So they're still growing their sales nicely. Um, and the stock has gone up. It's, you know, uh, its high was closer to 200. Now it's 177. And it is right in a lot of uh, pretty good support at this number. So it might be a good place to buy right in here. Okay. So, take your chance. See what I like the dividend three point seven percent. If it if it goes down, at least you're getting a nice dividend. It has a lot of support around one hundred forty, one hundred forty five, somewhere in that range. Okay, I'll take another investor caller question next. So hang on. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March twenty second, from two to three p.m. Pacific time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Value investing, positioning your portfolio for profitability, relative price, and dividend payments. Be sure to tell your friends and family members about the new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. It's free, and you can register now at investtalk.com. My question is really simple. Is it time to buy on Facebook? Hold off. What's the deal, man? Appreciate it. Facebook, Meta Platforms, M-E-T-A, provides a platform enabling members to stay connected with friends and family via Facebook.com. They're going to make $12.47 this year and then $14.67 next year, $14.67 per share. Sales are falling. They're not falling fast, down 4% in the recent two quarters, 4% a quarter. Uh, return equity is pretty high at 19%. Cash flow is good at 12 uh, 20, uh, they have just very little debt. Management owns 1%. But mutual funds, 1,000 mutual funds, well, not quite 1,000. 500 mutual funds have 
sold their position Facebook. I wouldn't buy Facebook. That's not something I'm interested in. I don't like their model. I don't like their business model. Okay, I never have. And if you listen to the show in length of time, this just wasn't one of the stocks that I'm interested in. Uh, it was got as low as here in December, you know, in the, the 90s, $90 a share. Now it's 200 so it's really bounced. But it was 340 back in September of last year, $340 a share. Now it's 202 Should you be a buyer of it? It doesn't interest me at all, okay? Because, again, I don't like their model, their business model, how they make money. I don't like being pushed, you know, how they – you know, push uh, ads on their Facebook platform when you're not interested in looking for ads. They push them on you. you, you I, don't, I don't like that. Now, that's not, obviously not the only way they make money. It's just the method I don't like. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasen. We have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. The stock market is constantly changing, and serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now, with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Investalk. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I was calling to get your opinion on what you think of the merger TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab that's happening pretty soon. So just want to see what your thoughts are on that. I'll be listening to the answer on your show. Thank you. Yeah. um, uh, Schwab is buying TD Ameritrade. They bought them like almost two years ago and they're, you know, working on making the moving toward the combination moving and a, a TD Ameritrade will disappear. It's all going to become Schwab. And it's going to make Schwab one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, uh, money manager, uh, discount uh, uh, money manager uh, firm in the world. So, you know, uh, that's good if you like big size, I do, for safety reasons. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the Federal Reserve and it's not going to let that size of a company go under if something disastrous happens because they don't let big banks go under. So that gives you some safety. How, whether, you know, how much synergies you're going to get out of it and how much uh, profits will this give a Schwab, uh, it's kind of an unknown situation right now, but it certainly is going to be beneficial. And I think it actually will be beneficial for the the people who uh, use Schwab and TD Ameritrade as their uh, uh, financial platform, you know, and their, for their investments. So I do like it. I do like it, and it should happen, I think, some time later this year. Now, the Federal Reserve is meeting, and they're in a tough position. They put themselves in this tough position because they lowered rates so far. And if you were listening to me, uh, you know, when they were – Pounding those rates down, I told, I said they need to stop doing that, and they didn't, of course. Now they're pounding them up, and I think they're 
been too aggressive myself. And, you know, I know they need to fight inflation. I get it. But what are they going to do now? They're kind of in a tough spot because they, if they raise rates, that's going to hurt banks even more, their balance sheets even more, okay, if they raise the rates. Um, if they don't raise the rates or actually even lower the rates, would that mean they're giving up on fighting inflation? I don't think so, but what would, that, would the market think that? If they lowered rates, they, have we seen the peak in the right, raising of rates? I think we might. I think we have, frankly. So I think the next move will be, I think you're going to have a move to lower rates eventually sometime this year. But, of course, it depends on how much inflation we have and whether it's, they can get on top of that. But, you know, we're seeing some of the inflation pressures come off and the oil prices and the banking crisis that we've had, the banking run that we've had is doing some of the work for the Fed, right? I mean, think about it. What this means is that banks are going to tighten up standards, They're going to loan standards. It means they're going to be less, they're going to be more restrictive on the economy. And isn't that what the Fed wants, to slow down the economy, to slow down inflation? Isn't that so maybe they don't need to raise the rates. Now, the estimate is they're going to raise the rates 0.25. A few weeks ago, it was 0.50, but... The estimate is still, you know, that most analysts think it's going to, they're going to raise the rates a quarter point. I'm not so sure I um, would do that. But that's what, that's what everybody's talking about. Yellen, the secret, uh, Treasury Secretary, pledges support for banks. Okay? She says that what's, what's interesting about her, her uh, speech that took place today or yesterday, I'm not sure, was as she said that even the smaller banks, she would be, she would protect smaller banks, lifting two hundred fifty thousand uh, um, FDIC limit on insurance. Now that's different. Smaller banks she would protect. Before it was just the big banks that they were worried about. So that of course calmed the banking sector down because of that. But I find that uh, interesting. That means that there's unlimited insurance now for deposits. Is that what that means? I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein, I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Get your downloads anytime on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Remember to follow Talk on social media. And don't forget to register for tomorrow's March 22nd KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Value investing, it's free, but you got to register at investtalk.com. Investtalk.com with two T's. Independent, independent thinking and shared success, everybody. This is Investtalk. Good night. Investtalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. 
Steve Peasley is president, and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.